Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. My guest today is Dan Walker. Dan is a journalist and broadcaster with over 20 years experience, previously at the helm of the BBC Breakfast Show for six years and now the lead anchor for Five News on Channel 5. He graduated from Sheffield University and started his career in journalism, working for local radio before moving to Manchester and becoming a sports presenter on ITV and then BBC. Dan's long list of impressive career achievements includes being the host of Football Focus for 12 years, covering five Olympic Games, five World Cups, a Strictly Come Dancing quarter-finalist and a best-selling author, including his inspirational book, Remarkable People, just to name a few. He's the philanthropist climbing Kilimanjaro for comic relief, working with the football A-listers to raise awareness for mental health and raising over a quarter of a million pounds for children's hospital charity through his organised golf tournament. Dan lives with his wife Sarah, three kids and dog Winnie in Sheffield and really is one of the most caring and hardworking people in journalism and there are no limits to where he can go. I cannot wait to find out all about the moments that have shaped his life so far. So welcome to Sliding Doors Dan. Hello Jenny, nice to be here. Nice to have you. Thank you for finding the time to chat to me today. I've heard you reference the term sliding doors quite a lot in a few different interviews, so I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. And I guess I just wanted to start off with asking you, how is your new home at Channel 5? It's very nice, thank you. Yeah, um, I, it was a, it's a big moment when you when you leave somewhere like uh, the BBC, particularly an amazing job like BBC Breakfast or 
football focus and um, move to pastures new. But I've, I've always enjoyed in a fresh challenge. And um, Channel 5 is a really exciting place to be at the minute. And they sort of from a professional point of view, they said, we'd love you to come here. We think you're really good. Um, you can do the news for us and make loads of other programmes. And I think there's very few opportunities you get in your life like that where a broadcaster comes and says, come here and um, we'll get you to do loads of stuff that you like. And it's really fun. So I thought, I'm going to I'm going to jump at that chance. I'm not sure that was a well. That maybe is one of those sliding door moments because I, I suppose I could have stayed and you know where would I be now? Exactly. Six, seven months on. So yeah, I've I've really enjoyed. When I left, I was like ninety percent sure I was doing the right thing, and now I'm a hundred percent sure. So. Amazing. Oh, that's good. Um, We'll delve into that a bit later because that is one of your sliding doors moments. But I guess I'd love to just start off by just knowing what were you like as a kid growing up? So what was kind of, we know a lot about how you are now from what we see, but what were you like as a kid? Um, Noisy, uh, (laughs) loud, um, probably thought I was quite funny. Uh, My mum and dad used to have lots of adults around the house, like friends. And uh, so I was often you know, in conversation with people who are older than me, uh, which I think is always good for kids to, you know, to know how to talk to adults and to look them in the eye when they talk to them and stuff like that. Um, Plays loads of sport, football, golf, cricket, tennis, anything really. Uh, Used to love watching football and uh, everything else on telly with my dad. Um, I'd play a lot of football, play anything. I, I often dreamt of being a sports person, uh, whether that be a professional in any sort of sport or actually talking about it on the radio or the television. I used to love Grandstand, obsessed with yeah. Des Lynham. Um, so all all those things, really. I was a, I suppose it was a sort of typical um, sport-obsessed boy upbringing. Um, and I used to go, most Saturdays, I'd go and watch Crawley Town play with my dad. So, uh, yeah, I had a, a very, very happy, very thankful for for a happy childhood in um, in a family with... One brother, one older brother, one older sister and one younger sister. So I'm third in line to the throne. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. And being the host of Football Focus must have been a massive dream come true for you. Yeah, it it was because it was a programme that I'd watched obsessively uh, growing up. And, you know, I think when I took the job in 2009, um, I think there was only like four or five permanent presenters right the way back to the 1970s. So it was a massive job to do. And... uh, yeah, it's one of those moments where you sort of pinch yourself and think, flipping heck, how have, I, how have I managed to fall into this little beauty? But I, I loved it. I did 12 years on that programme. I still think of it and the people that I work with really fondly. Still got really good friends there. But also, I think, you know, those things are cyclical. And I did, you know, well over a decade presenting a programme, which I absolutely loved. Covered some amazing things, visited some incredible countries, went all around the world, spoke to some truly inspirational individuals and then at the end of that you know you you sort of hand that on to somebody else and Mm -hmm. um you do the best that you can with it and I always think that when you work on a program I want to make sure that whenever I work on a program I want it to be the most fun program to work on and I think football focus was you know whether we had camera operators or runners or producers or uh, VT operators or vision mixers directors editors all those sorts of people I think we had a great time on that show. We had a great laugh every weekend. We all worked hard and we really enjoyed it. I think that's the that's the key to it, really, wherever you work in TV or, or wherever, any walk of life. 
A hundred percent. It's kind of like when your passion becomes your job and all of a sudden you're like, you're surrounded yeah. by all these people that were your heroes growing up. It's just really surreal. Exactly. One of my weirdest moments, Jenny, was when I, I started doing Football Focus and, um, you know, I was a kid who grew up watching Alan Shearer, Gary Lineker, Mark Lawrence and you know, this generation of footballers. I remember when I did a, a programme about a World Cup about two weeks in and Alan Shearer came and sat on the sofa and he sort of said, his first answer, he said, well done. That was a Geordie accent. Just <laughs> and the little kid inside me went, Alan Shearer knows my name. So, oh. you know, it's that, it's those, it's those little things where, um, and I still have pinch me moments because I, I, I don't, I'm not really interested in fame and celebrity and all that business. Mm-hmm. I just love doing the job and it's, yeah. it's lovely to spend time and actually, you know, get to know some people who are truly amazing at what they do. I always think you can just learn so much from people who are, who are the best in the world at what they do. Which is, I don't know whether we'll come on to it, but that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed Strictly Come Dancing so much. Because you now I, I got to learn from somebody who's a two-time world champion. Nadia mm-hmm. was, for about four or five years, Nadia was the best dancer on the planet. There's nobody yeah. better than her. And you know, here she is teaching, <laughs> teaching some nobody <laughs> like me how to dance. I mean, Quarter you, finalist, I just, I, though. I was like, I'm going to soak <laughs> up every, absolutely everything because there's, there's so much I can learn from you. And mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I spend as, I, as soon as I started dancing with her and seeing how brilliant she was, I was like, well, I don't, you know, I, I'm expecting this to last two weeks, but I want it to last as long as possible because yeah. you can make me a better presenter. You can make me walk, you know, walk in a better way, which she taught, day one, she taught me how to walk properly. <laughs> so I think um, it's all, it's all these little things, you know, you just, I, I feel, I feel that I'm like a human sponge. And whenever yeah. I get to spend time with people who are incredible, I'm just like, right, soak it up. What, what have you got for me? And that's what life's about though, isn't it? We can soak up anything from anyone we meet. And we realise that, you know, all the people that are our heroes, they are our heroes, but they're also just people and they're people that we can connect with and learn from. And I guess, do you have kind of life goals that you're working towards or do things just kind of come your way and you just grasp opportunities when you can? Uh, I think, I I mean, I'm not, I suppose I was going to say, talk about ambition. I'm not ambitious in that you know oh, I'm desperate to do that I just when I started out I if you'd have said to me you'll get a chance to present match of the day I'd have gone don't be daft when I started <laughs> out um if it, someone I went to do a talk in the university and someone it was a few years ago and they said what does it feel like to have the number one football magazine program in the country and also present the number one breakfast show in the country and I, I, I never thought about it I went that sounds, that sounds quite good, doesn't it? <laughs> is um, that me? Yeah, is that, are you sure? Are you talking about me? Um, so uh, I think I, I'm driven in that I want to do a good job and I want to mm. work with nice people and I want to enjoy what I do. And I feel very privileged to do that, Jenny. I think that's really important. That, you know, if you, I would never have believed that these opportunities would be open to some kid from, you know, uh, Crawley. Um, but I've worked hard. I've pushed mm-hmm. doors that sometimes slam in your face. I've, you know, wandered around doing things, the wrong thing sometimes. But yeah. um, I've always felt that if you get given an opportunity, do it to the very best of your ability, and then another opportunity will come your way. And I suppose that I'm a, I'm a quite a, I take my faith quite seriously as well. I suppose that sort of Christian element of it comes mm-hmm. into it as well, in that I, um. I'm not worried about the opportunities coming my way. I feel like I'm doing the right thing and I feel that, you know, ultimately there's a there's a plan out there and I've just got to work hard and, and do the best of my 
whatever in whatever opportunity I get just work hard and mm-hmm. and be enthusiastic and and try and make it as much fun to be part of what you are part of and I think without going all deep and meaningful I, I said this um recently to somebody somebody said why are you always so happy I'm not always happy by the way but, I, 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 <laughs> but there's a lightness about you there's definitely something that you do carry a positive outlook well I always think right if every single person you meet that's an opportunity to make their day slightly better or slightly worse. Yeah, definitely. And you could you, you choose to make someone's day slightly worse. I, I don't understand why you would choose to do that. I know that you know people are in a bad mood sometimes. I know that I'm very fortunate that I don't suffer from mental health issues. I'm very thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I want to leave a room, and I want someone to think. I you know I want them to feel better about whatever they're doing or. What, what's happening next or the thing that we're involved in together. I don't want them. I think it's, it's quite a positive thing to leave somebody in that way totally. and to brighten their day a little bit rather than darken it. And whether that's someone that you're getting a coffee from in the morning that you just say, hi, have a great yeah. day. You're totally right. And I think kindness is definitely in your bones. You do so many things, I think, that really promote kindness. And are you someone that really kind of wants to promote that, you know, success you can be kind and be successful. Because I think sometimes, you know, we've grown up in a world where you think, you know, you've got to climb your way to the top and all this. But actually, you're a really brilliant example of someone that's been kind, true to themselves, caring and got really far in their career. Yeah, I, just, I mean, it's a basic life lesson, isn't it? Don't be a prat, I think. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't, I'd find it really difficult to go to bed at night or to enjoy some of the things that I've been able to to do if I trod on other people's heads mm-hmm. to get there and I, I often think about you know you're maybe I have managed to reach quite high in this broadcasting world and I've um you know done some amazing things which I never thought would have been possible but also you're always looking back down the ladder and trying to bring people with you at the same time yeah um so yeah I don't I just think it's it's important to have a bit of perspective about it all. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to think that my my head hasn't disappeared up my backside. I um, definitely don't think it has. Well, I just I, I think I'm only you know I'm only good I'm I'm good at my job, but I'm good because lots of people have supported me along the way. Lots of people yeah. have made sacrifices, and I also feel very privileged to do it. I love talking on telly. I love I love being on Strictly. I love doing Focus. Uh, I love climbing Kilimanjaro. I love doing stuff for for charity. And all these opportunities have come from you know, the positions that I've, I've found myself in and I yeah I work hard but I also know that other people have sort of opened doors and, and given me those chances so you're very thankful for that you you always try and support the people who've helped you along the way yeah but you but you also try and make sure that you leave the industry in a slightly better way than you came into it and you know, I haven't finished yet hopefully <laughs> but um you can be the judge of that when I finally hang up my boots. <laughs> and what brings you the most joy out of everything that you do? You do do a lot of different things. What really feeds your soul? Um, I love telling other people's stories. Mm-hmm. That is the best. Like, I, If I think about what a journalist is, a journalist essentially is somebody who has the ability to change the world with their pen. Mm-hmm. I know journalists are really poorly looked at, you know, with, state agents and politicians and all that sort of stuff that's thrown in with and there are some like there are bad everybody in the world there are journalists who are unscrupulous and are not doing their jobs properly but I think the way I see journalism is I can I can be a 
a sword for people who can't fight for themselves and mm. I can be a shield to defend those who can't um, cover themselves and, and can't defend themselves. And that's a really powerful and privileged position to be in. You can ask the truth for the truth from people and you can demand it and you can change the world around you and make it a better place for, for people to live in. You don't always get it right. You don't always yeah. make the right decisions or ask the right questions, but you can try to do that. And that's why, you know, I've written a few books over the last few years. I love telling people stories. Yeah. And I think, I yeah, I'm a broadcaster, I'm a journalist, but I, I I love being a storyteller. And if you ask me, go back to your question, what's the thing that gives me the greatest joy? This is going to sound really sort of, oh, um, isn't it lovely? <laughs> but I love watching other people be brilliant. Yeah. And I think that's when um, I, I, I go back to Strictly quite a lot because it did open my eyes to, I think, the way that I – work and the way I like to work because mm-hmm. um Nadia said what what she was enjoying about dancing with me is when she watches me on telly uh, on BBC breakfast at that time I used to love having a brilliant relationship with Louise mm-hmm. and then with Sally or Carol or Naga whoever it might be and I I'm at my highest level of enjoyment when you're with somebody else and they're being brilliant you're being brilliant and the program's brilliant yeah. and you're bringing the best out of other people and that's what Nadia said. She said, when we're on the dance floor, that's what I want you to enable me to do. You know, your job is to bring the best out of me to make me shine the same way that you do with Sally and Louise yeah. on, the, on the TV. I've, n- I've never really seen it like that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what, that is what gives me the greatest joy to, to, to bring the best out of other people, yeah. whether they're sat next to you in a studio or whether they're being interviewed by you or whether you are covering a story on them. So I think, you know, and I, I don't always get it right, but that's that's yeah. the sort of high high end you want to aim towards, I think. No, but it's such a brilliant answer, and I think that's what makes you such a unique journalist and broadcaster and presenter, because you've got, at the heart of everything, your base is so good about why you want to tell people stories. And as you say, your books have been amazing, told some amazing stories from people that we'd never hear, and life is all about hearing different people's stories, learning from different people's experiences. Um, and I think it's it's just such a nice way to be, to kind of be someone that wants to see other people achieve. We all, everyone else feeds our souls more than we think they do. Um, mm. And you kind of get out what you put back in. My favourite day of the last few years was when I did a the book launch for Standing on the Shoulders, which has got 48 people in it, all sorts of people from all different backgrounds and walks of life. Um you know, just give you an example, there's three dads who all lost their daughters to suicide. There's three women who all had somebody in their family murdered but have managed to forgive them all. There's the family of Jimmy Olabumni Adewoli who jumped in the Thames to rescue the woman and, and sadly lost his own life. There's uh, Martin Hibbert who uh, lost the use of his legs in the Manchester Arena bomb. Um, there's so many people, the, the guys who stopped Usman Khan from uh, stabbing and killing more people in uh, London Bridge at Fishmongers Hall a few years ago in that terrorist attack, all these incredible people. And I managed to get them all in one room for the book launch. And none of them really knew each other. And I just, I stood on stage for 45 minutes and I told all their stories. And I sort of said, remember this, you might've seen this in the press, that this, these, these are the three dads. This is the guy who stabbed Usman Khan with a, a narwhal tusk. This is the mother of Jimmy Olabumni Adewoli. This is Ilsa Fieldsend, whose daughter died in 2013 of a brain aneurysm. Um, you know, and you, you, I'm introducing all these wonderful, amazing, inspirational people who all are brilliant but broken mm-hmm. in their own ways. And um, the at the end of this event, 
Darren Frost, who's the man with the narwhal tusk from the Fishmongers Hall attack, and Donna, who is Rose Ailing Ellis's mum. There's a chapter about Rose in the in the book as well. They sort of come towards each other in the middle of the room, and Donna says, "You're Darren, aren't you? I read about your story in Dan's book last week. I think you're incredible." And Darren went, "No, no, no you're you're Rose's mum. You're incredible. You're amazing. <laughs> yeah." And I think that was that was such a beautiful moment for me to think, here we are. These this is why I love writing about these people yeah. because they see the amazing things that others are doing, but they don't see in themselves. Yeah. And there's a lovely air of humility about it all. And that for me was the best. That was my favorite day of last year because it was like, look at all these incredible people. Why don't you just have a chat with each other and be inspired? And it was great. I can imagine, and that's kind of what makes us all tick and what makes us be better people. Um, and I guess before we start talking about your sliding doors moment specifically, um, I mean, I've noticed that the term sliding doors is used a lot, especially in sports. I think it's a quite it's used a lot in kind of sports analogies and when people are commentating on sports. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what do you believe when it comes down to the sliding doors theory? So you know, you mentioned your faith and kind of a path but do you believe that everything happens for a reason do you believe in fate timing coincidence what are your thoughts on kind of the sliding doors theory um well as, as a christian i sort of i i feel that um god is in control uh and i think there's a plan out there um and my job is to sort of work within that plan if that makes sense um i don't have all the answers but I sort of trust that someone does that may mm-hmm. it might sound a bit vague no, not at all but um so I think you know my job is to work hard to take the opportunities that I've been given to push doors that I think might be there or to slide them out of the way yeah. that makes more sense <laughs> in this podcast uh and sometimes they'll slam in your face sometimes they lead down a corridor that doesn't go in the right direction but you only know that having walked down that corridor and probably learned something along the way so um yeah, that's how I look at it. I, I, I don't, if I can try and put it this way, all the things that I have achieved in life, I don't sit here today and think, aren't I brilliant? I've done a great job. I think I'm very thankful for the skills that I've been given and the opportunities I have. And as I look to the future, I think about the same thing. I'm not thinking, oh, if I'm really great, then all these things will happen to me. Yeah. I'm like one day at a time, one step at a time, just try and do the best job that you can and um, make an impact on the on the people around you. I think that's how I look at it. Yeah, and kind of like, you know, see what the opportunities that come towards you are. And I guess it's, it is, it's a faith and it's belief, but it's also that hard work element. As you say, you're not just kind of sitting around waiting for these opportunities to, pre- to present themselves. You're making sure that you're kind of ready for them when they come. Yeah, I think that's, that's a... That's a, a good way of summarising it, yeah. <laughs> and do you think in sport the reason why it's kind of used quite a lot is is because it very much is that that moment where, you know, you score a goal, you don't score a goal, can like change everything for a person, for a club, you know, in any type of sport. Do you think that's kind of really where the theory comes to life? Uh, well, I think that's why we love sport, isn't it? That it can all hinge on one tiny little moment where, you know, a, a four-foot putt rolls around the hole and goes off and you lose the Ryder Cup or it sinks and you win exactly. it. Um and it's the same with, you know, is a penalty decision given? Uh, um, and on such championships, on such sort of tiny little moments, championships and trophies and successes is, is won or lost. That's why I love sports. Yeah. It's that natural drama that you get, um, whatever sport you follow. Yeah, you know, I think there is that 
sport lends itself naturally to that moment of oh, what happens if if only you know yeah. the if only um and but that that's why we love it that's why we talk about it that's why um you get excited about uh, you know a horse race or uh a super bowl final or whatever it might be because there's so many options of what could happen and there's so many people in that team or so many individuals who can make an impact on that and yet in the end of it all, it probably comes down to about one second, yeah. one decision, one man, one woman, whether they do it right at the right time, having trained their whole life for that. Exactly. And if you get it right, it's a beautiful, gorgeous moment. Get it wrong and it lives with you forever. Yeah. But that's why we exactly. love it. Exactly. <laughs> and it'll lead on to something else, I'm sure. So let's go on to talking about your moment. So your first moment is um, you were turned down to become a teacher for being too immature for a PGCE uh, course. So you went down the journalism course route yeah. and the rest is history so I think I was quite surprised when I read this moment because I think you'd be a brilliant teacher and I definitely don't see you as immature but I'd love for you to explain why you were turned down and why this was such a sliding doors moment for you um well thank you for that Jenny I, I thought I'd be a good <laughs> teacher as well and I still love going to schools and universities and talking to um the sort of next generation but uh I I was um I'd done a history degree I'd written a letter to Des Lynham when I was 11 uh, to say, dear Des, I love your moustache, how do I get your job? <laughs> and uh, he wrote back and said, do a GCSEs, do your A-levels, uh, don't do a media degree, do something that teaches you to write well and assess sources and then get a job in local radio, having done the PG, a um, postgraduate course in broadcast journalism. That's so but nice also that he wrote to be, back to you. <clears throat> I know, what a yeah. legend. Um, and also I... Um, I'd always wanted to either do that or be a teacher. So when I did my history degree, I thought, you know, journalism is something I'll, I'll never be able to get into that. I don't have any family members involved in it. I don't live in London. Um, I don't have an uncle I can ring up and say, can I come and stay yeah. in your house? You know, I just, I'm, I don't have access to that world. So I thought I'm just going to, I'm going to be a teacher and I'll love it. And then I, I, I went for the interview in a borrowed suit and, uh, the lady who was interviewing me was, um, a bit cruel, and she sort of took the mickey out of my socks. I have some bright socks on. She said, I think you'd be the sort of teacher who would be fun to be around, but you wouldn't teach the kids anything. And I said, what, what, what's that about? She went, well, it's, look, at these, look at your socks, they're bright socks. And, and I dropped my trousers in the oh interview. Oh, my because I, I, the, re, the reason I had bright socks on was because I had a full Sheffield University football kit on underneath because I was playing <laughs> for the university in a cup final that afternoon, and I was ready for it. Because um, I had to go straight from the interview to the game. You were just being practical. Exactly. Uh, so that was the end of that interview. Oh, my God. Um, and because I'd got turned down for that PGCE, I applied for a job, uh, for a postgraduate course in broadcast journalism. And if I had been accepted on that course, I probably would have gone and been a yeah. teacher. But instead, I, I walked away from that um, interview on my way to the university football pitches thinking, well, that's not quite what really they <laughs> the plan. Um and I applied for a career development loan from Barclays Bank, yeah. which took me years to pay back. And I did a broadcast journalism course instead in Sheffield. And on that course, I got a job. Uh, I won a competition, got a little job on local radio, and that was where I started. So um, had I not been... Had I not dropped my trousers in the interview, I probably wouldn't be sat here now. I mean, I can only imagine the the kind of 
gasps and looks in the room. But it also kind of just shows that, you know, your fate was in that one woman's hands, really, because if she she said no, you wouldn't be where you were sat today. Um, but I guess as well, it's interesting to know that, you know, you did want to be a teacher, but journalism was always also at the forefront as well. So when you were rejected kind of how did you feel were you kind of like oh god what am I going to do or was it kind of quite easy to just be like you know what I'll try something new I've always been interested in journalism as well I think you always have that moment don't you when you think oh well that was my plan what on earth am I going to do now but I, I I tend to recover quite quickly from that sort of thing so you know you get whacked over the head you get up you crack on you you find something else to do um so yeah maybe that was a little kick up the backside I needed to actually think well maybe you could try journalism and you know go into vast amounts of debt to pay for this course which you can't afford but I'm glad that I did it and um you know that opened up another door and another opportunity so I've never met the woman since (laughs) um I don't know whether she's still involved in teaching somewhere I don't know but uh, I'm sure she's watching from the sidelines being like that was my decision you know I I rejected him as a teacher so now he's (laughs) flourished in journalism but it's amazing because I think you know you can really pinpoint it down and it sounds really silly but like you know something that just seems such a natural thing for you to do to just be like drop your trousers and show that you're going to a football thing really kind of changed the course of your life and if you had been accepted on the PGC how different do you think life would be now for you like because you also so you met your wife as well in Sheffield was that before this or after I know I'd already met her by then um so uh yeah I'd already met Sarah by then um I don't know I've never really thought well you you think sometimes only but I just I'm not one of those great dwellers on what might have happened if that took place I'm like okay what's next I'm always thinking about what's next um and the what's next for me was well, find something else to do. So uh, I did. And yeah, I I don't know if I'd have become a teacher. I'm not sure, but I feel like I'm doing the right thing and this was the right path for mm-hmm. me to be on. So maybe I'd have found my way to yeah. live anyway. And also, I guess, like from everything that you've said that you, you know, is important to you, the storytelling, the kind of, it, it very much resonates as well with the teaching world and everything. So I think you've always had that kind of innate thing to give. Um, and you mentioned there very briefly that, you know, when you thought about getting into journalism, you didn't have any connections and you thought, however, so after you did do your course, kind of how did you get into that, that world? Uh, I won a commentary competition on uh, Sheffield Hallam FM. And uh, that gave me two weeks work experience. At the end of that two weeks work experience, they offered me a job. And then after one week on the job, they told me that they were making cutbacks and I was the first one. And then um, they said, uh, we can't employ you here, but we do have somebody who is quite interested in somebody like you who can do news and sport. And um, they're in uh, Manchester. Do you want to go to Manchester? So I went, oh, that sounds fun. And that's what I did. Went to Manchester. And uh, started working at Key 103. Oh, and, I love uh, good old Key 103 back in the day. Yeah. And then I, uh, so I was in radio for a few years doing commentary and working in the newsroom and doing silly characters on the radio. Um, if you ever find a character called Cosmic Dave, I actually <laughs> won a New, a New York radio um, award for comedy character, Cosmic Dave. You used to do Cosmic Dave on the Adam Cole yeah. show. Um, I'm still really good friends with Adam Cole. He was an idiot, terrible psychic, the worst psychic ever, fake psychic. Um, But I used to, I loved that time at Q103. And then I got into TV from there, went to Granada TV, then BBC Northwest, then came down to London, started working for the BBC down there. So 
that was my routine really amazing um and yeah. I just, this is why I love the podcast because I love being able to kind of look back on moments. And as we say, we don't realize at the time that they are these sliding doors moments that really kind of led us to the path that we're on. But I totally agree with yeah. you. I think we all find the way to where we're, you know, our destination is the same, but the journey to get there is different. So hopefully you would have always found your way back here, even if you had become a teacher at some point. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And then on to your second moment. So you said no to BBC Breakfast two times and mm. then said yes on the third time. So this is a brilliant <laughs> moment um, and I'm really excited to see how it unfolds because it's definitely a moment of timing. Um, so why did you say no so many times and what eventually made you say yes? I don't know. I wish I could have answered, <laughs> I wish I could have answered your question. That I, I've, I've always wondered that. I don't know. Um I had a meeting with the then boss of BBC Breakfast who said, listen, Bill Turnbull is going and um, we'd love you to be the new Bill. And I don't I don't know why I said no. It was an amazing job and it was very special to be thought of in that way. But I said no. And then he asked me again a few weeks later. And I said no again. And then, I mean, um, were you scared? Was it a gut no, feeling? No, not at all. I wasn't, I've never, ever been worried or nervous. I was, you know, I'm, I'm sort of the opposite way. Um, I'm like, well, I can do that. <laughs> not in a not in an arrogant way, but I think no, but if you're not you can give it a try. Oh, the only thing I'm good at is talking on telly, so on broadcasting. So if you give me a microphone yeah. and say there's 10 million people out there, go and keep them entertained for a bit. I love that. That's but, what you do. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't no no. I've never been nervous or worried about any any job or gig or anything like that. But I just didn't feel it was the right thing for me at that time. But then. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Between meeting two and three, I sort of, I thought a bit long and hard about it, and um, it did feel like the right thing to do. And I didn't think I would do it for six and a half years. I thought, yeah, let's do it for yeah. a bit and see how it goes. Um, and as, the first day that I sat on the sofa, I thought, oh, this is good fun, isn't it? <laughs> and I, I realised how big the job was. So yeah. I'm glad that Adam Bullymore, who, if he ever listens to this or watches this, who was the boss of BBC Breakfast at the time, I'm glad he was persistent and came back a third time. Yeah, um, because a lot of people would have just taken, I mean, the second no, definitely, they may have just taken him and been like, okay, he's not interested. But I guess, you know, this really shows that you needed him as well, just as much as he needed you for that third yes. Uh, yeah, I, but it, he would, he, well, I think he'd tell you that he, he knew that I'd be good at it and he, he felt that I was the right person for the job. Um, and like I say, I'm glad that he kept plugging away because I, I had such a lovely time on that programme, made some amazing friends. You know, I spoke to Sally yesterday, spoke to Louise last week. I met up with Carol, went out last week. So it's, you know, you, 
you, you never forget friends like that. And you cover some amazing stories and speak to some incredible people on the sofa. And um, it was a brilliant six and a half years. I still get told about 30 times a day that people miss me on BBC Breakfast, which is lovely. That's but I always, lovely. But I, I love it. It's really nice. And I have some amazing conversations with people. And I'm glad that they enjoyed, you know, waking up with that programme. Um, mm-hmm. And I, but I always think it's great to leave somewhere when people oh, no. still like you. <laughs> of course it is. Because they remember you for the good times. Yeah. Um, and I think this is such a, it's a lovely moment because it's also really good that people can, you know, resonate with in terms of like, you know, it's, you, you don't always get one opportunity of things. I mean, you need to think of it like that, but sometimes mm. the right thing will keep knocking at your door. And I guess when you do make these big life decisions, because, you know, deciding to do BBC Breakfast is not just kind of a, okay, yes, it's a big life moment and it changes your whole realm. So when you do make these big decisions, how do you, how do you know that they're right for you? Is it gut? Is it it just you just go with the flow uh I, th- I think them through carefully but also you look at all the you know you wonder about where you are in your life at that time how old your kids are where your family are based um <clears throat> what you want to do with your life and your career what you think you should be doing and i'd always, I'd, I'd done loads of breakfast radio for years and got up at three mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning so i don't know it wasn't a case of oh i don't want to get up in the morning because I've, I've always i just enjoy you know, a good job, wherever that job is and whatever time it takes. But it just didn't feel right the first two times, but it felt right the third time. Amazing. And so glad it did. And I guess if you did, if, you know, if you'd only asked you twice and you just said, no, I know you don't like dwelling on these things, but where do you think you'd be now? Because obviously BBC Breakfast changed a lot of things for you. But I I guess like if you'd had had said no, where were you then? I don't know. I just thought, I thought of another example. When I went, when I before BBC Breakfast, a long time ago, when I used to be at Northwest Tonight, I got offered a job down in London with um, BBC News 24. And I went for the interview, but I didn't, I wasn't sure that I wanted, I didn't want to move to yeah. London. Because um, my wife didn't want to move to London and we didn't want to go. So I went to the interview, but I didn't do it like... Wholeheartedly. I did it well, but I didn't, I didn't do it wholeheartedly. And they said at the end of the interview, we're not really sure you want this job. And I went, you're probably right. And they gave it to somebody else. And then I rang the next day, having really thought about it carefully and thought, this is a mass, this is a fantastic opportunity. I rang them back and I said, listen, I know you've given this job to somebody else, but <clears throat> I've had a really good think over the last 24 hours. And I think I do want a job in London, even if it's only for six months and see where, where it goes. Um, so if anything else ever comes up, will you come back to me? And they said, we're so thankful that you got back to us. And uh, we ad- admire your honesty and being really truthful yeah. with us. And 10 days later, they rang back and said, there's another opportunity. Would you like to come? So I did. Amazing. So, but again, but again, it also just shows in life, like being honest about things, making that call back, even if you think they're going to tell you to F off and not come back again, you never, ever know where one opportunity can lead to the next. Yeah, I'd much rather, and I always tell to, I always say to students, I have a, I have a, I run a bursary at Sheffield University mm-hmm. where the two, I fund two students every year through university to get onto the journalism master's course. Amazing. And um, all 12 of them are currently working in the industry and there's another two this year. Um, watch out for Olivia Mustafa who wants to be a um, Middle Eastern correspondent. She's going to be amazing. Okay. Um, so, uh, so I, and I always tell them that be persistent. Mm-hmm. Don't be rude, but be persistent. Keep knocking on the doors, keep badgering and pestering people because there are opportunities. 
might not come around first time, but stick in people's brains. Yeah. And that comes down to even making the best cup of coffee or cup of tea ever. Definitely. Because if you make yourself indispensable in the shortest space of time possible, when there's then a hole or a gap or they need someone, they go, oh, that Jenny, she was good. Uh, where's Jenny gone? We miss her. Yeah. And that's that's how you make yourself memorable. Such a brilliant way to put it. I've made a lot of teas and coffees in my life to get to where I am today. And I think it's brilliant. And again, the, whoever, uh, the guy that asked you to be on BBC was persistent in the best way possible and got you on the breakfast show. So um, mm. we'll go into your last moment. So you touched on this briefly, but saying yes to Channel 5. So you could have stayed at the BBC for another 15 years in a comfortable role, but you wanted to test yourself and explore new opportunities. So I think we all find ourselves in these very comfortable mm. positions where you know, we, we don't really want to move out of them, but actually the best things happen when we push ourselves out of our comfort zone. So explain yeah. how this was a sliding doors moment for you and kind of how you came to make the decision. Uh, can I, am I able to change that sliding doors moment? Yeah. Um, cause I think that, I mean, that's, well, just, I think having, you know, just talked to you about it now, I think probably I would combine, I've mentioned a little bit about that, but I'd also put the decision to do Strictly in there as a, as a big one because I'd said no to Strictly. I said no to a lot of things. In life for some <laughs> I said no to Strictly four times, um, but I said yes the fifth time. And oh my I'm so gosh, thank- you like saying no, don't you? I know, but so they. I don't know why Steph, who books the um, guest, I don't know why she kept coming back. I, I'm really good friends with her. I saw her at an event last week with Nadia, and um, she said, "I'm so thankful that we we kept asking you." I didn't do any dance practice no auditions or anything so they they knew and I knew nothing about whether I'd be any good or whether yeah. I'd last and I was convinced I'd last two weeks but I think that was quite a big moment eventually saying yes and I said yes for two reasons one my kids asked me to do it and two I'd done 18 months of talking about the pandemic and death tolls and I just needed a bit of fun and not having to think about politicians for a bit so that's why I did it and I think it was really important that I got the partner that I did because Nadia was the person that I needed to guide me through that program, but also I was yeah. the person that she needed to you know, build her confidence up and show her that she could be just as brilliant on telly as she was on a dance floor. So I think that was a sort of weird collision-y sliding doors type moment because if I had done it a different year, maybe it would have exactly. gone completely differently. But it happened mm-hmm. at the right time. And you know, Nanny and I are really good friends, and you know, helping each other still in you know different things that we we're doing now. But I think my experience with her on that program made me a better presenter and yeah. uh, better at the jobs that I do. And I wrote a better book last year because of that. So, yeah. um, and I think to come back to what you say about sort of shining, I think you know, take take the competition element out of Strictly. It's not about that. Uh, take the dancing out of it if you can help somebody else be a become a slightly better version of themselves i think that's that's a that's a lovely situation to be in and i I, we we both had a great three months together just me learning to dance her learning loads of other stuff becoming good friends and i I, so i look back on that as quite a positive experience Mm -hmm. and i suppose in the same way it, it all those sorts of things inform you that not to be afraid of making huge decisions of leaving a program like football focus and then leaving a show like bbc breakfast with millions of people who watch every day and treat you like a member of the family and are wonderful and to actually turn your back on that and saying Mm -hmm. 
there's a new challenge over here, which I'm really looking forward to. And I'm going to write a book this year and I'm going to move to Channel 5 and I'm going to make some amazing telly, uh, which I'm really excited about. I can't, I wish I could, if we'd have done this a few weeks later, I could have told you about a new series that I'm working on, but I can't tell you oh, yet, but it's good okay. fun. Um, Fine. But it's, and that's, I love making great telly with lovely people and that's something that I'm really looking forward to. So I th- I know that I've combined lots of things together, but I, I no. suppose if you, if you look back, at, I'm realising this talking to you, I've said no, I've turned down a lot of opportunities, <laughs> but eventually the right thing has come along at the right time. Exactly. And it's a massive, massive moment of timing because I think that with everything that you've said no to and that you have actually done, as you say, it's not just the saying yes, it's the saying yes at the time. It's having the, that specific partner at that specific time. All the other people that were involved in the show at the time that you decided to say yes. There's so many factors. And I think what I love about everything that you're saying is, is that never take something on just face value. There's so many other things we learn. As you say, like you did Strictly, it sounded like it made you a better presenter, a better writer probably a better husband a better son you know and I think that we can take so much from all these experiences but the sliding doors moment is is that the time that you decide and I don't know what makes you say yes I feel like I I feel like you don't have anything that ticks in your body to say yes it's just something that happens yeah I think that's right I don't know why I said no four times I don't know really why I turned down BBC breakfast twice um don't know why I dropped my trousers in the interview (laughs) um not sure uh, but I think sometimes you've got to act on impulse, haven't you? And yeah. you, you, and also on other occasions, you weigh things up really carefully. I think I am a weigher up carefully. That's what I normally mm-hmm. do. And I like to think eventually I'll come to the right decision at the right time. Well, you've proven that uh, you have. Mm. And even if it doesn't work out, we learn from everything that we do. Precisely. And um, if you don't make a mistake, you don't make a discovery. Exactly. What a great way. Red. Read that in a crackle one. <laughs> well, it's a lovely way to finish the chat. And Dan, thank you so much for joining us. So excited to see what you do on Channel 5 and all the brilliant TV that you make. And just keep you, telling Danny. us people's stories because we love to hear them. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much, Dan. Bye. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.